Tonight, the ripple effect as Canada's benchmark interest rate rises for the eighth time in a row. Battered by the climbing cost of borrowing. I was uh, very much hoping that they'd hold the line. But fresh signs of a shift in the inflation fight. If it comes down in line with our forecast, we've done enough. A breakthrough in sending tanks to Ukraine. And new questions about Canada's contribution. Plus, the business of better mental health. I'm selling something that allows people to express themselves. Turning a struggle into a successful enterprise. CTV National News with Omar Sachedina. Good evening, everyone. The fight against inflation inflicted more economic pain on Canadians today. But this time, the interest rate hike came with some hope that it may be the last one for a while. The Bank of Canada raised its key lending rate for the eighth time since March, up a quarter point to four and a half percent, the highest it has been since 2007. CTV's Ottawa Bureau Chief Joyce Napier spoke with a man behind those moves today about the effects they're having right across the country. Businesses took one more hit from the central bank today in its aggressive fight against inflation. We as a small business in Canada are not able to borrow at as efficient rates as our U.S. counterparts, which I find um, inherently frustrating. <laughs> At Sam Bat, west of Ottawa, where those famed maple baseball bats are made and exported, even a quarter of a percentage point is a big deal. Honestly, I find the news a bit disappointing. I was uh, very much hoping that they'd hold the line. In an interview with CTV News, the governor of the Bank of Canada said that maybe after this last hike, he will hold the line. We think we've done enough. Uh, we don't think we need to raise rates further. But if inflation doesn't come down in line with our forecast if it if it gets comes down a bit but gets stuck yes we may have to do more a pause a breather but the governor would not say for how long one of the objectives of the bank's hikes cooling down the housing market but for some homeowners today may not be a happy one not just being hit sort of with that mortgage payment there's obviously increases in gas prices and grocery prices and so on and so on and so forth so it's a bit of a snowball effect right now uh, with that rising mortgage payment for the variable rate holders. Uncertainty all around, Tiff Macklin saying it could get worse before it gets better. We could get two or three quarters of slightly negative growth, so we can't rule out a mild recession. So that is going to feel, that is not going to feel great. The central banker was criticized for waiting too long to start increasing those rates. They said the rates would stay low, so Canadians took on hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt. And now suddenly... Rates have risen by over four percentage points in a single year. Reining in spending from businesses, consumers and governments. That's what the bank is aiming for, a message the Prime Minister says he is now heeding. We're not going to do things that will further contribute to the Bank of Canada's uh, need to fight inflation. As for when those interest rates may be coming down, Macklem says that's something he'll consider well into the future when inflation is under control. 
Omar. All right, Joyce, thanks. Uncertain economic conditions could impact how much the federal government spends on health, a source of friction with the provinces. Today, on the final day of the cabinet retreat in Hamilton, Ontario, the prime minister said he will meet with the premiers on February 7th in Ottawa. Joining me now is CTV's chief political correspondent, Vashi Capellos. Vashi, when Justin Trudeau spoke to CTV News in his year-end interview, he said he would only meet with the premiers once there was an outline of a health deal. So now that we finally have a time and a place for this meeting, does it mean that Ottawa and the provinces are actually close? Hi, Omar. It, it means exactly that, actually. There is no way the Prime Minister would have come out this morning surrounded by his cabinet ministers to say exactly when the premiers and he will be meeting unless there was the prospect of a deal in the near term. In fact, the ministers I've been speaking with have been saying that that meeting on February 7th, that's just to kind of iron out the framework, but they do expect a deal to come together in advance of the tabling of the federal budget, which is expected in the spring, perhaps even early spring. I'd say the big question mark, though, that hangs over all of this is how much money are the feds prepared to hand over to provinces? We've heard ministers say over the past number of days that fiscal room has tightened up because of the probability of a recession. Does that mean that they are prepared to give a lot less than the $28 billion extra each of the provinces, or the collectively, rather, that the provinces are asking for? I really think that that's the big question hanging over or looming over these talks and the prospect of a deal. Omar? Such a critical issue for Canadians right now. All right, Vashi, thank you. The Prime Minister was also asked today whether Canada will send tanks to Ukraine, joining pledges made by other countries. I won't be making an announcement today, uh, but I can tell you we are looking very, very closely at what more we can do uh, to support Ukraine. Germany and the United States committed a combined total of nearly 100 tanks for Ukraine, announced on what happens to be President Volodymyr Zelensky's birthday. CTV's Danielle Hamamjan on the historic breakthrough. A major development in the war that will help Ukraine punch through enemy lines. After weeks under international pressure, the German Chancellor gave the green light to what Ukraine has been begging for. Auch Kampfpanzer zur Verfügung stellen vom Typ Leopard 2. We will supply Leopard 2 battle tanks to Ukraine, announced Olaf Scholz, calling it the right thing to do and asking the public to trust him. Volodymyr Zelensky was in the middle of an interview when he found out. There was a thank you, but also a warning that the timing of the delivery would be critical. Described as a beast on the battlefield, the 55-ton tank has a range of 500 kilometers. With 2,000 leopards scattered across Europe, Germany's decision now triggers a domino effect, paving the way for Poland, Spain and Norway, among others, to send their German-made tanks to Ukraine. It also breaks the diplomatic logjam with NATO's largest member state. The United States also announced today the delivery of 31 Abrams tanks, among its most powerful. But they're not heading to the front line anytime soon. Instead, it'll take months. That's what this is about, helping Ukraine defend and protect Ukrainian land. It is not an offensive threat to Russia. But that's not how Russia sees it. Some ambassadors call today's developments a blatant provocation, one that would escalate the conflict to a new level. And from the Kremlin spokesperson, the tanks would, quote, burn like the rest in Ukraine. Omar. 
Danielle Hamamjin in London tonight. A First Nation roughly 500 kilometers north of Vancouver has become the latest site to unlock potential horrors of the past. It's where St. Joseph's Mission Residential School operated until 1981 and where today possible graves were discovered for a second time. CTV's BC Bureau Chief Melanie Nagy reports from Williams Lake tonight and a warning, some of the details you're about to hear are disturbing. Woven into the frozen landscape are traumatic memories. St. Joseph's Mission Residential School once stood here, an institution long linked to allegations of horrific abuse. Yeah, I mean, the amount of abuse that went on there, that is well documented. The Williams Lake First Nation, headed by Chief Willie Sellers, has been investigating the area since 2021. Last year, 93 potential human burial sites were identified. Now an additional 66 anomalies have been found. It's disheartening. But at the same time, you know, we're, we're finding that truth and we're, we're closing that information gap so that people can heal. The newly discovered reflections, as the investigators call them, were located using ground-penetrating radar. The findings were also cross-referenced to historic documents and the stories of survivors, some of which claim to have witnessed babies being killed. Infant babies born at the mission as a product of child sexual assault were disposed of through incineration on and off-site. I've been through a lot. I've been strapped many times. I've been hit. Grant Alphonse, a member of the Tsilkoti Nation, was forced to attend St. Joseph's when he was 13. The facility, which was still operational in the 80s, was run by both Catholic missionaries and the federal government. Alphonse says no matter who was in control, the focus was to destroy an Indigenous child's identity. Uh, you were not allowed to uh, speak the language and you were not allowed to sing your own songs. But now he proudly sings and celebrates his culture with complete freedom, something he never had while at residential school. As for the St. Joseph's site, investigators say the anomalies suggest human burials, but the only way to confirm is through excavation. And there's no decision as to when or if that will happen. Melanie Nagy, CTV News, Williams Lake, B.C. Well, for many, the discoveries have reignited past traumas. A reminder that there's a 24-hour crisis line for residential school survivors and their families. That number is 1-866-925-4419. A union representing 35,000 transit workers in Canada is calling for urgent changes after what it says is a wave of violence that is out of control nationwide. Employees aren't the only ones being targeted, so are riders. And as CTV's Heather Butts reports, the solution isn't simple. A blood-stained floor on a Toronto transit bus. A 16-year-old boy rushed to hospital as police searched for a suspect. It's the second stabbing in two days on the city's transit system. I don't want to take the TTC. I got to take the TTC. I have to get to work. Both employees and riders have been targeted. On Monday, a swarm attack of teenage boys allegedly assaulted two employees. Just yesterday, a woman in her 20s was stabbed by a stranger on a streetcar. And this morning, two employees allege they were chased by a suspect with a syringe. And the increased violence isn't just happening in Toronto. On an annual basis, we're seeing upwards of two to 3,000 operator assaults and transit worker assaults across this country. In Vancouver, this vicious attack caught on camera. A woman punched in the head. In Edmonton, two drivers reported having guns pulled on them. And in Winnipeg, a violent and disturbing attack on a father and son. 
what we're seeing today is that our systems are not safe. Experts believe there are multiple factors coming into play. Canadians struggling with the cost of living crisis, homelessness or addiction. These individuals obviously are using public transit and it's important. You can't have security that pushes them out of the system. However, at the same time, we have to ensure that public transit systems are safe and secure for all users. The head of the transit union is calling for a national task force to address what he believes is a crisis. Advocates do say this isn't a problem to be solved simply by more police. Omar. All right, Heather, thanks. Getting around by transit or by car wasn't easy today after a major snowstorm slammed parts of southern Ontario. And at Toronto's Pearson, Canada's largest airport, nearly a quarter of all flights were cancelled. The storm, which brought whiteout conditions, is expected to drop 20 centimetres of snow by tomorrow before it tracks east to the Maritimes, where it will also bring rain. That system has put 31 million Americans under a winter weather alert, and tonight confirmation that the twisters that ripped through Houston, Texas yesterday were EF3 tornadoes that brought winds of up to 225 kilometers per hour. Here's CTV's Joy Malbin on what's being described as the worst outbreak in a decade. This was no Wizard of Oz movie when a couple traveling in their van in Texas saw a tornado barreling towards them. They had no choice but to grab the dogs and dive for the ditch. Scariest moment of our life, they said. We are safe and blessed. More than a dozen tornadoes ripped through Texas and Louisiana. Homes ripped apart. Cars, even tractor trailers were flipped over. And that's a two-by-four impaling a windshield. From above, destruction as far as the eye can see. we got a tornado. East of Houston, take a look at this gym in Pasadena. It's completely shredded. It's a wonder anyone inside survived. Man, we all hid in the restrooms, had to fight out because the building fell on top of us. It's been a decade since Houston saw twisters this destructive, knocking out power and rupturing gas lines. At her dance studio, Cindy Turner describes her harrowing escape. That whole roof fell in on top of us. I was just praying, and all I know is they were, we were all hunkered down together, but glass was flying. The roof was flying in on top of us. Everybody okay? Searching for survivors, officials say it will take some time to recover. I'm going to tell you, my 25 years here, this is probably the worst damage that I've seen. Um, just catastrophic. And it's not over yet. A new line of strong, severe winter storms move east tonight. Joy Malvin, CTV News, Washington. Incredible images. Fire raced through a 25-story apartment building in Chicago today, killing one person and injuring eight others. Flames shot out of the windows of the high-rise, the fire starting on the 15th floor and spreading vertically to nine more floors. It took nearly 300 firefighters over 80 pieces of equipment and two hours to get it under control. Time for a short break, but when we come back... Unprecedented papal perspective on homosexuality, plus new details on the snow plowing accident that nearly killed Jeremy Renner.
Pope Francis today called on bishops around the world to start welcoming a community that says it has been excluded and marginalized. The leader of the world's 1.3 billion Catholics said countries must stop punishing homosexuality, even as he reaffirmed a church position some believe is far from inclusive. Here's CTV's Vanessa Lee. Pope Francis says laws that criminalize gays and lesbians are unjust, adding God loves all his children just as they are. Being homosexual is not a crime, he says. In an interview with the Associated Press, he acknowledged Catholic bishops in some parts of the world still support discriminatory laws against the queer community, attributing such attitudes to cultural backgrounds. These bishops have to have a process of conversion to recognize the dignity of everyone, he says. Around the world, it is illegal to engage in same-sex relations in 67 countries. They include Burundi, Kiribati, St. Lucia and Dominica, where at least half of the population identifies as Catholic. Eleven have the death penalty. Sometimes there's no other alternative to flee. Sometimes they're jailed, sometimes repeat. Uh, repeatedly jailed, uh, and sometimes even killed. While Pope Francis criticizes criminalization, he says gay sex is still a sin. First, let us distinguish sin from crime, but it is also a sin to lack charity with one another. The Pope is known for his inclusive tone, most famously saying, who am I to judge? Unwilling, though, to alter the official Vatican position. For many devout worshippers like Mark Guevara, being gay in the Catholic Church has been a test of faith. As someone who was fired from a Catholic uh, institution simply for being gay and in a relationship, uh, I'd like to see the Church in Canada do more. Pope Francis is set to visit South Sudan next month, where anyone who engages in same-sex relations faces up to 10 years in prison and a fine. Vanessa Lee, CTV News, Montreal. And a few hours southeast of the Vatican, a special set of twins is celebrating a special milestone. Meet Francesca and Maria, celebrating their 100th birthday together with family and friends in their small Italian village. The sisters have 50 grandchildren and great-grandchildren and say the secret to living a long life is quite simply to be surrounded by love. Some great advice and happy birthday. Still ahead, the footage that captured a gunman firing at a police helicopter. The Quebec woman accused of sending a letter to former U.S. President Donald Trump containing ricin pleaded guilty to biological weapons charges today. Pascal Ferrier, who holds an engineering degree, crafted the poison from scratch at her Montreal area home. She has agreed to a sentence of nearly 22 years behind bars. Michigan State Police released video today of a chilling encounter involving a suspect who fired at one of their helicopters. The drama unfolded in Detroit last night when a man flashed a laser into the cockpit of the chopper and then opened fire. The helicopter wasn't hit. Police say the suspect also shot at officers on the ground. 
He was later killed in a gunfight. New details on Avengers star Jeremy Renner's serious snowplow accident reveal he may be a superhero even outside the Marvel Universe. I love you guys. I'm making up for some lost time. The actor was trying to save his nephew from being hit when Renner was pulled under the heavy tractor and crushed as he attempted to stop it from sliding sideways. The 52-year-old was left with more than 30 broken bones. After the break, the charity acting as a catalyst to conquer mental health challenges. A little-known venture is leaving a lasting impact on Canada's mental health landscape by helping Canadians with a different kind of therapy. On Bell Let's Talk Day, here's a look at the charity empowering people to rise above. Here's CTV's Avis Favreau. There's 36 identities. We do a left and a right half. These colorful pins have become an important source of hope for Darcy Alamany. Like many Canadians, his mental health struggles worsened during the pandemic. I felt alone. I felt like I had nowhere to go and I had no one to turn to. Therapists encouraged him to start a hobby, so he began making these enamel pins that mark gender identity. I had difficulty finding a way to express my, my identity as um, a gay male and as an intersex person at the same time. To his surprise, others wanted them too. So early 2021, with some help, he launched a business selling pins that symbolized 36 gender identities. Sales this year, he says, may top half a million dollars. I'm selling something that allows people to express themselves in ways that they may have not had the tool to be able to do that before. Uh, this woman has been in business for quite a long time. And he got support from a little-known Canadian charity, Rise. It offers small startup loans, year-long mentorship and business training to those with mental health struggles, helping them start pet grooming shops, bakeries, and musical and artistic ventures. The majority of our clients will report increased confidence, increased ability to navigate diff difficult situations in their lives. Over the past decade, Rise has loaned out nearly $3 million to help start up over 700 businesses run solely by those with mental health challenges. Well, I'm going to do a, a turtle. Calgary mother and teacher Michelle Tassa was a new widow with two children and hospitalized during the pandemic with PTSD. But with a $10,000 loan from Rise, she started a business offering art classes and homeschooling for children. I've discovered an entrepreneurial spirit within myself, um, and Rise has definitely helped me with that. Rise helped her design a business plan with a coach supporting her along the way. Mental health diagnosis does not mean that you cannot be successful, intelligent, and entrepreneur. The more of us who say, like, yes, I have a mental health diagnosis and I'm also succeeding, the better. It's an underappreciated form of mental health therapy that comes from the power of self-sufficiency and independence. Avis Favreau, CTV News, Toronto. Making a difference. And that's a snapshot of this Wednesday for all of us at CTV National News. Thank you for watching. And good night.